You're listening to All Things Video, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the past and charting the future of the online video ecosystem. You're listening to All Things Video. I'm your host, James Creech, and today's guest is Liz Warner, founder and CEO of Gleam. Liz, welcome to the show. Thank you. So excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, glad we get to do this. We met uh, not too long ago via Lunch Club, which is uh, one of my favorite new things from last year. So it's always cool to make new connections. It's, it's awesome to meet other founders and excited to have you share your story today on the podcast. Thank you. Me as well. Yeah. So let's start at the beginning. How did you get your start in media and entertainment? Well, I started, as a lot of other people did, as an intern um, back in 2014. So, you know, I was doing a lot of prop runs. I was picking up fast food for videos and basically just like worked my way up. I started um, at BuzzFeed as well. And yeah, as, after graduating from college, you worked, as you mentioned, like as an intern and then a production assistant. Uh, you got to work on the 2014 VMAs and then joined BuzzFeed as a video producer. So were you always interested in kind of the creative side of, of the media business? Yeah, I mean, I always knew, like I always loved video production and I knew since I was little, like that I just like wanted to make videos. That was just, that was just it. So I was bored one day and it was raining and our block party was canceled when I was like 11. And so my friends and I just decided to make a movie. And from then I was just, I was just totally hooked. That's um, awesome. So yeah. So I, I did a lot of like internships and over the summer, you know, a lot of like PA jobs. And that's how I basically got more and more into it. Great. And you spent almost, what was it? Six years at Buzzfeed? Yes. Six years. Yeah. And during that time, you know, uh, you created the Bring Me Travel franchise, which has generated now over 4 billion video views across platforms. I'm curious, what was the original inspiration behind that show? Yeah, so I had been making a lot of different types of content at BuzzFeed from like science to comedy videos. And what I really wanted to crack was travel. And um, so my boss at the time basically said like, you know, travel's been something BuzzFeed tried to crack for a while. And he's like, all right, if you can figure out a way to make it go viral consistently, then, you know, we'll, we'll figure something out. So I was like, all right, cool, I'm on it. So I started shooting content around Los Angeles at places um, that I felt would be viral just based on what I had learned from my other years at BuzzFeed. And the first viral video was about a 24 hour cupcake ATM at Sprinkles uh, in Beverly Hills. And that got like a lot of shares. And so I started kind of like iterating off of that and looking for other places that, um, you know, I felt would go viral. And basically it started to happen more and more consistently. And um, I remember our breakthrough video was about a giant cinnamon roll at this restaurant that was like actually kind of a gross restaurant, like not gonna <laughs> lie. Um, but they had this three pound cinnamon roll and like we filmed it. And I remember thinking like, man, I'm, I did not have high hopes for the video because like, but the, but the cinnamon roll was so beautiful and we got all these like amazing shots and we just like totally focused on that. And then it got like, you know, a million shares and was, you know, one of our most viewed videos. And so, wow, I'm seeing a theme of, here. People like uh, food and specifically like <laughs> yeah, desserts, yeah, you huh? got you right. Um, yeah. So, so that's kind of what we realized, like, okay, we're on to something. And so then I went on to launch the um, franchise and named it Bring Me, where we 
basically shot at you know unique local venues around the world and the idea is that you know there's when you go online to like search for things to do in like Paris or whatever it'll be like Eiffel Tower and like basically the 10 most touristy places is what comes up and like you know people don't want that they want to go where the locals are going and like you know places that are beloved by people that live there and so that was that was the goal of bring me is to help local businesses grow very cool and what an awesome opportunity to travel and get to share some of those local experiences with a broader audience yeah it was it was a lot of fun very cool and you know during your time uh, at buzzfeed you also had a chance to work as a snapchat content producer first at the 2016 and then at the 2018 olympics i'm curious to hear all about that experience as well oh man <laughs> a lot of stories there yeah, so um, basically NBC hired us to run their Snapchat channel for both of the Olympic Games. Um, and so I went down to Brazil and then down to Pyeongchang um, for, so I did both the summer and the winter Olympics. And yeah, definitely, definitely a crazy time, um, really intense. Like it felt almost like the Olympics of video production as well, because you, you know, shoot something, you'd have to turn it around. like not even the next day, sometimes like that same day and just get it out. So it was just like a month long sprint, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, tight production timelines for sure. And a global audience that's watching, but what a cool platform to have a chance to share that. Yeah, totally. It was Very cool. And then more recently, you worked as an executive producer and digital content advisor to the Joe Biden for President campaign. So what was your focus and your involvement uh, in that project? Yeah, so basically I would help come up with content ideas for Joe and Kamala's social channels. Um, so, you know, the, their Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, basically like I would come up with ideas, um, you know, either do research or like get the research team to help me find like stats and like video clips. Cause obviously it was all done remotely. Um, and then we would assign an editor and basically get the video out up on his channels. Amazing. So this is a big week for you, right? With the inauguration and uh, seeing a lot of that work come to fruition. Yes, definitely. It's definitely a very good week. <laughs> good. For sure. Good to hear. Well, let's um, fast forward in time and talk a little bit more about your current project, Gleam. So, you know, you've been in stealth for what, about a year and a half now working on this new dating app? Yeah. So I started working on it um, this past year in, in 2020. And it's been definitely a journey, but you know, I've never worked on an app before. I have, yeah, it's, it's something that I've never done, but I was just very passionate about the idea. So I just decided like, you know what, I'm just gonna start working on this and see if anyone stops me. And <laughs> so I did and no one stopped me yet. And so, yeah, so now we're live. Um, and it's amazing. It's, it's been yeah, it's been so. Awesome so tell people a little bit more about the app and about your motivation. Why you know why create another dating app? What what makes you unique? Totally. Um, so this the idea I've had for a really long time, um, but the inspiration came from when I was like recently single, and I was just like, oh, I don't want to go on another dating app. I'm so over dating apps; they're all terrible. And what I started doing was video calling my dates before I would meet up with them. Um, because when you work in production, it's like, you just have no free time. And I just hated like sp spending my entire nights on like a bad first date. And so much of that can be solved with just a quick video call to figure out like if you guys vibe or not. 
And so I started doing that. And then my friends really liked the idea. So they started doing it too. And I think it just got to the point where I'm like, you know what? I'm sick of waiting for an app to like add in this feature. Like I'm just going to like build it myself. Um, and so that's when I started working on it. Very cool. And obviously online dating has changed significantly uh, given the global pandemic. So what have you seen uh, emerge as, as trends or what, what's changing in the, in the dating landscape? Well, there's a lot more video calls happening, which is great. I mean, it like obviously people weren't doing it as much before COVID. Um, and I think the thing I didn't realize before I started working on this was like how it can be scary for people to go on video dates. Um, but because of the pandemic, it's like basically forced people to be comfortable with it. Um, and it was something I never really understood. So I'm like, well, what's like, it's no scarier than just meeting in person, but a lot of people do feel like it is. And so that's something that, you know, I needed to like understand better. Um, but the pandemic has really helped, you know, get people like accustomed to the idea of video dating. Yeah. So that's when a huge change. Yeah. And have you seen other dating, existing established dating players rolling out video chat features? I feel like I've seen ads for like match.com or eHarmony trying to now be responsive yes. to what's happening and, and try to add more video features. Totally. And I, I remember like thinking that when COVID hit, I'm just like, oh no, like every app is now going to roll out video. And that's of course like what happened, but it's honestly like a really good thing because I think people will just like save so much more time and be so much happier if they can like make sure they vibe with the other person and they're not being catfished before yep. they go meet with them. Um, and so the way Gleam works, the, the reason it's different is because you can't actually text until you've gone on a 10 minute video date. Mm -hmm. And so you still match with people the same way you do on other apps, um, but then you set your availability. And then as soon as you match with someone, the app will set you up on a 10 minute date based on when you both are available. So I haven't seen any other apps like that. Like they're either like, they have a video call feature, like mm -hmm. Hinge has like added that in and obviously Bumble. Um, there's some apps where you match and then you video call right away, which like I find inconvenient because, you know, you want to like be matching with people, but not necessarily like jumping into a conversation. Um, so that's kind of the way our, ours works is it's based around your schedule. Very cool. So now that you've been live, what, a week or two, how's the initial traction? What's the uh, response been? Oh man. I mean, it's, it's been good. Like we've actually like been seeing, I'd say like steady growth, which is like really exciting. I think like it's, it's a mix. Like when you put something out, you think like, oh, this thing's going to just blow up immediately, but it doesn't like you have to like spread awareness of it. Um, but then on the other hand, it could also like totally flop. So I was obviously like terrified that no one would be using it. Um, but I, you know, I've been happy to see that new people have been joining it every day. Like it's been, it's been growing. So that's been like really awesome. Fantastic. Now, have you always considered yourself an entrepreneur? I haven't, like, I, I had no idea that this was the route I wanted to take. Like, I always wanted to be an executive producer um, and, you know, like run my own TV show. And that was like my dream. And I wouldn't say it's like not necessarily my dream anymore, but as I kind of like, I started talking to executive producers who like ran big shows and they're all like, just don't do it, you know? And it kind of made me realize huh. like you're not, you're not really in charge, even though you think you are, like you really like have to do what the network says. And like, yes, obviously you have like a bigger say in it, but there's still like so many people you have to appease. Um, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but I just really wanted something that I could just like 
be in charge of and like run with. And like, if I wanted to implement something, I didn't want to have to go through so many layers of red tape and I wanted to just be able to do it. And so this has been like, you know, I think the thing that I maybe wanted all along, but didn't realize because I'm able to just like experiment on the spot and try new things and see if they work right away without having to seek approval. Yeah. So, well, in many ways, it feels like creating a production or being a showrunner is kind of like building a startup, right? You start from zero and you have to come up with the idea, the strategy and execute on that. And so I could see how a lot of the skills would translate. That's interesting to hear that maybe some of these showrunners you talk to discourage you a bit from that path, but it feels like a lot of those elements are changing in Hollywood, right? As there are more players and new content buyers out there, right? Netflix is trying to be more talent friendly. You know, obviously like Shonda Rhimes famously left ABC because she was frustrated with the, the big corporate systems and Netflix gave her a lot more of that freedom and flexibility. So maybe we'll see some, uh, some changes and improvements for showrunners as well. Totally. I mean, I hope, I hope that that does happen and that there is change so that it's, it's not as like traditional as it's always been. Yeah. What is the hardest part about being a first time founder? That's a great question. I think, I mean, ironically, it's like the thing that you want is also some of the, one of the hardest things, which is that like, no one's telling you what to do and you have to every day wake up and figure out what to do and then do it. And you have no idea if what you're doing is the right thing or the wrong thing. Um, and, you know, growing, basically growing my career in like corporate world, I always like had a boss and I knew, okay, this is like what I need to do today. This is, if I get this done, then I will know that that means I've accomplished this task. Whereas like when you're an entrepreneur, you just like, <laughs> you just wake up and I'm like, I don't, do I go on a run? Like, do I do this one thing that I think I should be doing? Do I do this other thing? Like you just, you honestly have no idea. So you have to constantly be like digging your own path as you go. It's like, you're just kind of crawling around <laughs> trying to find the light somewhere. That's what yep. it feels like. Yeah, it's definitely a different experience, right? Getting comfortable with that ambiguity. And some people thrive in the deep end of the pool where you just throw them in and they're like, okay, I'm going to start swimming and I'll figure it out. Other people are used to more of that structure and process. And so they're looking for, hey, what is the deliverable that I can you know, knock out? I think the mindset you have to adopt as a startup founder is I have a thesis, right? I have some hypothesis. And then it's really just like the scientific method every day. I'm going to pursue this little experiment. And if it validates that point, then great. We'll keep heading in that direction. And if not, you know, let's take new data and let's set a new hypothesis and you just keep going as, as you know, you keep learning. Yeah. The other thing I realized too, is that like, you know, when you're growing up, like you're, you're always striving for like a good grade. And like, when you do something right, it's like, oh, okay. That, that gave me an A. That means I did it right. Like, great. And then it kind of translates into the corporate world where like, you know, you get reviewed by your boss and your boss will tell you, you did a good job or a bad job. Right. So it's like, you're always like given some type of like direction and you know, okay, this is like, I did well on this, so I will keep doing it. Or I didn't do well on this. So I won't keep doing that. But then you're an entrepreneur and that just like completely goes away. And I think like, there's this piece of me that's just not used to like not getting a grade in some sense and like having to completely unlearn all of that. And then like also learn how to like grade myself. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So I'm curious, um, you know, when you think about the dating uh, environment and, it, you know, I'm, not, I'm no expert here, so I'll look to your expertise, but, it, but drawing on it, it seems like, you know, there, the initial wave of online dating was, okay, you can build a website um, and then you can create a profile and you can match with people and exchange emails or have some sort of online correspondence. 
And then there was this uh, shift that was ushered in by mobile, right? That now everyone has a phone. They, and, and Tinder, I guess, is the, perhaps the best example of this or, or ignited the change. It was like, okay, there's a mobile first experience. Um, we're going to focus more on uh, you know, image images were kind of the hook for for Tinder in the early days, and the swiping function, which was like easily you know quick decisions on a, on a profile, and then of course you know other apps have have made twists on that. Like you have Bumble, where you know the woman makes the first move, and you have other people kind of taking uh, their own you know approach to that that model. But do you see video as as a similarly big shift to mobile, or are there other kind of changes with technology or new platforms that can fundamentally revolutionize the way that a dating app or online dating experience is created? So are you kind of asking like, are there ways that like the actual like software itself is changing or like, can you explain a little bit more? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of looking for the underlying platform shifts, right? So for Tinder success, it was mobile, right? And for the ability to, for this thing to spread and people to connect really quickly. I'm wondering if like AR or VR experiences could be adapted for mobile or for, for dating in the future, or if there are these other types of new technologies, new experiences that could create a significant shift that would then set up the next dating app like a Glean for success if you were leaning into that, that platform shift. Hmm, interesting question. I mean, I feel like AR and VR is something that's like been wanting to like, been like on the edge of like trying to like take off and just like hasn't quite done that yet. So I'd be very curious to see what a like VR dating experience would look like. Um, I can't off the top of my head. I mean, I can't, I feel like it's more of like the software apps themselves that have changed the experience of dating. Like TikTok, um, you know, just the way that that app functions and like the idea of like swiping up through people and like seeing videos, I think there's going to be, you know, a massive change in the way dating apps work to more mimic TikTok and, um, you know, incorporate video in a sense, and like people's sense of humor rather than the traditional, like almost like the older generation of apps, which is like just purely a photo and it's more like Instagram, you know, that's more like outdated. And I think things are going to get a lot more like interactive and like fun and like, you know, you can send chips and that kind of thing to people. Um, but I think the progression of like dating apps and like dating online is definitely like a lot slower than technology because people have to first get used to the technology and then get used to the idea of dating that way. So I think that would happen like a lot more slowly than the technology changes themselves. Yeah, fair enough. What's coming next if you had to make three predictions for the future of digital media broadly or perhaps more specifically online dating, what do you predict? Well, for dating, I mean, the obvious one is just like video, like everyone's going to be like video dating is just like going to be the norm. Um, people are just going to have to get used to it, whether they want to or not. Um, and as I was kind of mentioning before, too, I think it's going to get a lot more like interactive and more fun. Um, I almost could foresee just like the elimination of dating apps and it being more like you know, features on apps where you can like indicate that you're single and that you are open and like looking for people mm. as opposed to like an app that's like entirely dedicated to it. That reminds um, me of Facebook, right? Back when we were in high school or college, yeah. it was like you would have your relationship status on, on Facebook and that signaled to the world's, you know, your availability. 
Exactly. Exactly. I think they were, you know, I think that was more of an issue. Like a lot of people don't trust Facebook, but I do foresee that like on future apps is just like being a feature and even like, you know, people that work at Tinder say like Instagram is the best dating app, which Mm. I definitely agree with. I'm curious. Why is that? Because it's, it's a lot more interactive. There's a lot, it's a lot easier to interact with people when they post on their stories, like you can comment to them directly. You can see like a lot of their photos, like you get a much better sense of the person than like the three photos that they post on Tinder. And there's Mm -hmm. a lot more room for interaction. And uh, one of the things that um, maybe appeals to people through a dating context about Instagram is it feels like a glimpse into their daily life, right? Like this is what they're sharing with their friends and you're kind of being invited into that inner circle to get to know them a little bit better um is that kind of the 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 feeling yeah yeah definitely it's 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 a much more intimate look into someone's life than you know like an edited photo yeah and i'm wondering if that will change over time because in our industry you know looking at social media very in-depth on a day-to-day basis there tends to be this we're, we're noticing a reaction towards um this culture that has grown up on Instagram about having the perfect photo and uh, like showing off this idealized lifestyle that people tend to just showcase their best moments on Instagram, certainly in in-feed posts, but even increasingly maybe like on, on stories that everything has face filters or things are polished. And like, that's like the best version of yourself portrayed to the world. And other newer apps are kind of um, going against that, right? Having the anti-Instagram approach where they just seem very real, more down to earth, right? They're kind of rebelling against that trend. Do you, do you see that um, also being the case or being reflected in dating? Definitely. I mean, I think it definitely will be in the future. Um, you know, there's already like so many more video apps coming out. There's, I've seen dating apps where like, you know, that are very similar to TikTok where you just like post a silly video of yourself. So I think it's, that's definitely going to be a slower transition because like, you know, with Instagram, it's like people post polished photos of themselves. Cause like they think that's, you know, maybe what people want or what help, what will help their photos do better in the algorithm. Whereas like with dating, it's like, you want to look like your best self. Like you do need to put out somewhat of a polished photo because like you're trying to attract other people. So, you know, I think if there's a way to kind of like combine the best of both worlds where it's like you can still put out your best self but also like be a little bit more real and honest then I think that's like going to be the future of it yeah how do you combat uh video call fatigue right so many of us are on zoom all day long for work and now that's the only way we can see friends and family now it's like oh I have to get on on a video chat for for dating too for my love life Uh, how do you do, do you get any you know reactions like that from people Um, no, because I mean, for Gleam specifically, like the calls are 10 minutes and then they hang up. So like, it's, you don't, you literally like don't have to talk to them for more than 10 minutes. You actually have no choice. Um, but what I, what I do for like, you know, if I am going on like a normal video date through like a normal app or whatever, then I just say like, Hey, I have to go like X time. And that way, like, you don't have to like stay on the call for so long. Um, and that's part of what I wanted to accomplish with Gleam is like to get people off of video and just to figure out, do you have a vibe or not? And then you can, you know, do what you want after the fact, but no video call fatigue is super real. And 
I mean, the best thing to do is just to like change your environment when you can and go outside and go on walks. And like, sometimes I'll walk with my phone on the video, which has also been like really nice. Great. What does the future hold for Gleam? What, do, what should people expect over the next 12 months? Oh, yes. Well, we have uh, some exciting updates as of today, actually. And um, we are implementing dating and life coaches onto the app. So anyone that has the Gleam app uh, anywhere in the U.S. can basically pay to talk to a dating coach for 10 minutes. And then if they want to talk to them for longer, they can go to them through their um, through their website. So that's uh, a new feature that we just are actually rolling out this week. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and then the other thing we're doing is we have a lot of influencers who are really excited about Gleam who we are giving um, a unique profile link to. So they're going to post it on their Instagram and then people can go and like them and then talk to them for 10 minutes, which I think will be really cool. Very cool. So you're blending this influencer trend and hosting kind of fan meet and greets virtually in addition to helping people find love. Yes, totally. And another thing we're doing as well is um, doing different like events. So like we're hosting um, a Forbes event where basically people can set their location on the app and then only swipe on each other. Um, so it's a way to kind of do like speed dating in a sense, but getting to meet only like a specific group of people. So um, that's another thing that we are looking into is doing more events. Awesome. Very good. Well, one of the questions that I ask everyone who come on, comes on the podcast is if you were starting a new business in the digital media space today, what would you do? Now, obviously in your case, you're, you're right in the midst of, of building Gleam. But if you think about, you know, the landscape more broadly, are there is there white space out there? Is there something that if other entrepreneurs are listening, you would encourage them to, uh, to, to tackle? I have an idea that I really want someone to make, but it's not in the digital media space. That's okay. Let's hear it. <laughs> okay. So now that everyone's at home, right? So many more people have plants and I am also one of them, but it's so silly because like when you want to leave for a bit or go visit home or like, you know, not be in an infested city with people with COVID, like, there's no one, like you have to like literally get someone to water your plants. And so it's crazy to me that there's not like a device that automatically just like waters plants. Like there is one on Amazon, but I got it and it's terrible. It does not work. Hmm. Um, so I would love just like an automatic plant waterer so that I don't have to stress about literally letting someone into my apartment every week to water my plants. For sure. So just something that slowly uh, dispenses water for yes. the plants over it's the course not of the that time. Difficult yeah. of invention, and I swear so many people would buy it. So I would love someone to make it. Okay. Listen up entrepreneurs. I want to see this on Shark Tank. That sounds awesome. Yes. I will be your, that would do so well. I will be your first customer. For sure. There we go. Uh, Liz, where can people find out more about you and more about Gleam? Yeah, so for myself, you just LizWarner.com. I put all my content up on my website. Um, and then Gleam, you can go to GleamDating.com um, or to our Instagram, which is at GleamDating. Awesome. And I encourage them to check out the app, especially for all the single folks out there. Check it out. Learn more about you know this new model for influencers, the work that you're doing with coaches and live events. It seems like some really exciting updates in store. Yeah. And if you, you know, if anyone's interested in doing like some type of like a, an icebreaker event, they can, you can always DM me on Instagram at wanderliz with two Z's and would be happy to set something up. Awesome. There we go. Well, Liz, thanks so much for sharing your story. It seems like uh, some, some exciting stuff ahead and, and Gleam is already off to a great start. So cool to hear more about your journey. 
Thank you. Thank you for, for chatting with me today. Thanks for tuning in. I'm James Creech, and this has been another edition of All Things Video. If you like what you hear, we hope you'll share and subscribe for new episodes. See you next time.